I wrote it down by hand, and I've had it in my wallet for around about 30 years. Welcome to Once Upon a Line, the podcast about beautiful words and the lasting impact they have on us. I'm Rosie Fernandez. Every week, I talk to people whose lives have been touched by a beautiful passage in literature. Today's guest read a few lines that have stayed with him for 30 years. Meet Robert Graham. He connected with me from his home near Perth, Australia. Can you please read for us the passage that has stayed with you for many years? Yes, the line is, please follow your heart, win or lose. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about that line and uh, what book it's from? Yeah, it's from a book by J.D. Salinger. Not the famous one, The Catcher in the Rye, but in another book called From Seymour, An Introduction. And it was part of a larger text that when I first read it, when I was in my 20s, just kind of stayed with me and inspired me at the time to the point where I thought I need to write this down. This is before it was probably online, so I could just cut and paste it and print it. But I wrote it down by hand and I've had it in my wallet for around about 30 years. Okay, that is a powerful reaction. (laughs) Um, Why did you want to write it down? I didn't want to lose it, you know what I mean? Like the words were so, they were kind of like, um, I I think inspirational is is maybe the wrong word. It was kind of like a a call to action, you know what I mean? Like it, it was something that I just knew that I would want to come back to again and again when I needed to. I just wanted to have it on me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and this line is from a larger piece. Like you wrote down like a full page almost, right? Yeah, yeah. What were some of the other elements that were like some of the lines that, uh, that you didn't want to ever forget? Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm reading it now and I can't remember who the characters are in the book. You know, I can't remember who is talking to who. I just remember one of the characters is giving another character some advice, how to deal with what I think is kind of writer's block. But other things stuck with me, like, um, do you know what you will be asked when you die? You won't be asked what wonderful moving piece of writing that you are working on when you died. You won't be asked whether it's long or short or sad or funny, published or unpublished. You won't be asked if it was in good or bad form. You know, you won't even be asked if it was the one piece of writing you would have been working on if you had known your time would be up when it was finished. I'm so sure you'll get asked only two questions. Were most of your stars out? Were you busy writing your heart out? And then it goes on to say, all you have to do is write the piece of work that you would most want to read yourself. And it says, trust your heart. You're a deserving craftsman. It would never betray you. But that's what I mean by a call to arms, because it's, it's all very simple, really. You just have to do it and trust your heart. But it's amazing how hard that can be, for me anyway. Oh, for everyone. You're absolutely right. Um, but that is amazing. And that, uh, how, how old were you when you read it, you said? Maybe like 23, I'm guessing. And uh, at that time, did you have a, a goal? Like, did you have a, a, an artistic vision that you were hoping to, to live out? Yes, I did. 
I've been a musician since I was nine. And basically, by the time I was probably nine and a half, I knew that's what I would do, do for the rest of my life. I don't know if you call that having a dream. It was just, it wasn't even a debate for me. This is what I was going to do. You know, I was 38 when I released my first album. By that point, I had a 20-year career. But um, since then, I felt, you know, I was trying to think of it, you know, in preparation for this interview, I was trying to think of how I felt leading up to the age of 38. And I, I just felt very frustrated that I, that I wasn't able to contribute something to this canon of music, you know. And, you know, once you do it, it comes a whole new set of frustrations come in, in terms of the response to what you've created. But basically, that that burning kind of frustration that was taken away because I have created something. I had a feeling of frustration, I guess, inside of me because I'd been a practitioner, you know, I'd, I'd been someone who performed other people's music. And I had a real desire to write my own music. So it was something that was kind of, I just didn't feel satisfied being an interpreter, you know but I had a real block about it. And reading this passage was kind of like a bolt out of the blue, you know, it was jolted me, you know? And so how often would you say that have you gone back to reread this? I can't say I reread it, but I think of it in my wallet a lot. I don't have to necessarily reread it. I just have to remind myself that it's in there. And I think that's why I kept it. I think part of the block I've had over the years was you know, when you interpret great art and you're performing great things that people have written or you're reading great books that other people have written, there's this inclination inside me anyway to think, well, oh, I could never live up to that. You know what I mean? And so I never tried. I always wanted to. I always knew deep down that I probably could contribute something. But sometimes I would have to go back to this passage to kind of remind myself that you know this is what it's all about it's not about writing something great it's just right about writing something honest there's a simpsons episode where uh bart tries something and it fails and homer says the lesson my son is never try <laughs> it's a common <laughs> response <laughs> yes i've seen that episode yeah. <laughs> And do you, you know the, the guitarist uh, joe satriani i remember reading an interview with him and he said about that, that moment when you're in the flow and you're creating, he said he knows that if it's coming easy and it's flowing out of him, it's good. If he really struggles with it, there's just something missing there. That idea that it can be easy and it can also be brilliant. Yeah, I think, well, that was my experience in the very few times where it has come easy. The only problem with that is you're not going to be very prolific. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is in terms of trying to, to create the um, conditions for that to flow. It's easy to find reasons why not to do the thing you know you should do. Yeah, I mean, well, for me, I was trained to be a classical pianist. And the way they're taught, there, there's not a lot of room for making mistakes, uh, certainly in public. Uh, there's not a lot of room for improvising or creativity other than creativity you can have, you know, when you're interpreting what's on the page. But I mean, 
it's not free flowing. That's it's not emanating from you. Like your your job is to make sure that you interpret the mastery of Beethoven or or whoever the way Beethoven would have wanted it. And the standards are very high, you know. And I think as someone who has played a lot of different styles of music, and and I write pop music, you know, like I don't write classical music. You know, you just carry around a lot of uh, probably hangups, you know. And and also, I, like I said, just deep respect for the songwriters that I really love and to even go there was hard for me to even like dip my toe in the water but you know you just have to keep reminding yourself that you're just as valid as anyone else you have to lower lower your expectations and and the only expectations that I'm trying to live with now is 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 it truthful to to who I am you know like are my stars out as the passage says can I trust my heart and keep it there like just trying to hold it there instead of trying to foreshadow what would happen, you know, with the, with the piece of music. Like, just take all those heavy expectations off yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep it simple. That's what this passage does for me, you know? Like, it just keeps keeps reminding me that simplicity is the best. That, that line you just read, were most of your stars out, that is a beautiful way of expressing it, having your stars out. Um, I've never heard it said that way, but I immediately know what he means. Yeah, um, yeah. And that is that is a call to action. That is a special way of living. You're you're really shining, showing your light and showing what's inside. That is uh, that requires some bravery in addition to stepping outside of yourself. You to just, just some courage and uh, and some will. I think almost everyone I know probably wants to have their stars out all the time. Because it means you're relating to people in a really open and honest way. But there's, there's so many reasons not to do that. And that's why I think escaping into art, you can put all your heart and, and all everything that you are into what you're, you're creating. Um, you only have one life to live, right? And to keep things inside of you is not healthy. Not everyone can handle people whose stars are out all the time, you know, but that's the one outlet, I think, where you can, like when I'm writing I'm, or writing a song or writing something down on paper, like that's where I can pour my heart into it. I can put, I can write about all the, all the pain, all the joy. It's a safe place, you know. So let's think about that feeling of desire or ambition of, you know, following your dreams, that goal that you have and that wanting of that goal. And I'd like you to just remember it from when you were 20, early 20s, and you first read this and what it felt like and then applying it to now and how it feels today. It feels different. Back then, I wanted to create some art of some kind. I wanted it to be truthful to myself, but I also wanted it to be successful. But now I feel that all I want to do is create. You know, I have less focus on what to do with it once I've created it. Uh, Because, you know, one thing releasing albums and things like that has taught me that, you know, I enjoy writing songs. I enjoy performing them. I enjoy recording them. Everything after that, I don't enjoy so much. And now what I feel is like I would be so happy to keep creating things. 
you know, like I'm more interested in brutal honesty. You know, like I'm, I'm interested in getting out what I feel, either in music or in words. And if people respond well to it, I don't really care. It's more, it's more like I, I'm more interested in what my kids think of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's just a part of getting older, maybe. I, I just feel that um, truthfulness to myself is where it's at. And um, what happens to it after that, I don't really, I don't really care so much. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a liberating difference. Yeah, it is, it is liberating when you think of it, yeah. As a father, how do you teach your children about their dreams? Like, do you tell them, hey, have a dream, but it's going to be really hard? Or, or do you just say, hey, go for it? What's been your experience and your approach? Uh, well, I sometimes a bit concerned about my kids because, um, both their parents are artists, so they don't really have access to the kind of world of work, you know, that, that other people do. I'm just wondering how they could ever choose a profession because, you know, they haven't really seen any. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, my thing with that is, um, to not fuss too much about it. I don't try and lead them in any particular way. I just let them choose what they want um, in terms of their futures. I don't think you can really do anything other than that. You know, like my daughter is very good at music, very good at music. She's already created her own songs and they're good, you know, but she is adamant that she doesn't want a career in music. Really? Yeah. And I think that's probably because partly because she's grown up with me and watch what needs to be done in order to survive as a musician and maybe she wants more stability but she will always be a musician she didn't learn the same way i did with the, like i said the classical rigor but the way she creates she just it's like this whole passage that we talked about that i wrote kept in my wallet all those years it's just ingrained into her she doesn't need it you know like she just does it so I'm just keeping out of her way. And it's the same with my son. You know, I just keep out of their way and, you know, I give them advice if they ask for it. But, yeah, I, I don't really try to, you know, direct their flow, you know. Mm-hmm. Sounds like good parenting there, Dad. <laughs> so can you tell us the name of that bird that is singing? Because we're going to hear him on this podcast. Uh, he wanted to be part of the show. <laughs> What kind of bird is it that you have there? I live in just outside of Fremantle, a suburb called Spearwood, and it's in Western Australia, which the capital of which is Perth. So Fremantle is a smaller city about half an hour from Perth. It's a port town, and it's on the Indian Ocean. It's actually the most isolated city in the world, uh, which is great for COVID. There's been no COVID here for months, and life is pretty much as normal, which is awesome. Um, the bird, I'm not sure. It could be crows and magpies and um, kookaburras and things like that. You would definitely hear it if it was a kookaburra, because that has a very unique uh, laugh. But um, I don't know, actually. I'm not much of a birder. I wish my wife was here because she would probably know. But uh, I hadn't really been hearing it, to be honest. Moved here a few months ago, I was hearing everything like that. But as you know, over time, it just becomes the new normal, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Robert. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. 
that was musician Robert Graham. You can, see, <clears throat> you can see a photo of Robert's handwritten, crinkled, folded up paper note on our Instagram account and Facebook page at Once Upon a Line Podcast. What about you? Have you read anything that you felt compelled to write down and keep handy at all times? Email me at onceuponalinepodcast at gmail.com and tell me about it. Special thanks to my team, Michelle Lung and Natalie Curtis. And thanks to one of the musicians in my family, my brother Pablo, for this music. I'm Rosie Fernandez. Until next time, happy reading.